0: scripture that's been on my mind for several weeks. And in fact, it's a scripture that I read to you over Labor Day weekend. Does anybody remember the scripture that I read Labor Day weekend? Anybody? Anybody at all? Can anybody give me a really good guess? Any guesses? I'll give you, I'll give you a treat. Anybody think about just a good guess that you think I may have said over Labor Day weekend? Yes, you're right. Okay. Anybody else? Give me any scripture. Noah, Noah, that's a great story. Good guess. Did I catch it? Almost, almost, almost. I'm going to get in trouble today. All right, what else? What is it? Jesus. Jesus. You're right. (laughs) What else? These are really good, by the way. You're going to want one. What else? Moses. Moses. All right. God. God. Yes. Oh, I am so going to get in trouble today. You You are glad that I am not the Braves pitcher. That is correct. Esther. That was a good one. Abraham, See, now I got y'all talking. <laughs> ah, all right. I'll channel some Maxwell Freed guy. <laughs> all right. You are right. I read Mark 7. I read Mark 7 that day of Labor Day. Let me tell you, on Labor Day and Memorial Day, in case you didn't know, we have service day projects. Every Memorial Day and every Labor Day, we gather together right here in the chapel. And on Labor Day, we gathered, we read scripture, we had communion, and then we went to our beautiful front lawn, and we engaged in a service project. And we actually packed 1,000 snack packs for kids at Vickery Mill Elementary using some of these fruit snacks that I'm just throwing out today. And I said, if you wanna know more about that scripture, You need to come back, and now here you are. We packed snack packs for Vickery Mill Elementary because we have a tutoring program there. And in fact, we have been involved in tutoring these children at Vickery Mill since Vickery Mill began, about four or five years ago. And when the world changed and schools began to shut programs down out of necessity, our church said, we will not shut this program down. The tutoring program, we will sponsor. And so, yes, 20 kids have received one-on-one tutoring last year and this year and the program is growing and now we're at Centennial High School helping our seniors graduate because there are a few seniors who feel like in the short run it's easier to drop out of school and help their family and in the long run we know that it's better for a high school diploma And so now we're in the high schools helping our seniors graduate. And by Labor Day weekends, service day, and by you even acknowledging these fruit packs, you are a part of that ministry and it's hard work. And so together, let's remember Mark 7. From there, he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him. And she came and bowed down at his feet. And now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first. For it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it even to the dogs. But she answered him, sir even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And then he said to her, for saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. I read this as a mom. And I read this as a woman and I read this as a person of faith and it's been sitting with me and the first thing I notice I don't know what Jesus was thinking I don't know why Jesus thought he could go anywhere and a mom not find him Because when you have a mom who is emotionally and mentally in a healthy place, there is absolutely nothing a mom is going to not do to help her daughter. There is no door that is shut that will prevent a mom on a mission. So that's the first thing I notice. Of course, somebody's going to find Jesus, especially if it's a mother who needs to help her daughter. Second thing I notice is we don't know a lot about this woman. And so for fun, I want you to know her name. Tradition says that her name is Justa and her daughter's name is Bernice. And this woman is a Gentile. She has Syrophoenician origin. So it means that she is in the wrong place. She is from the wrong side of the city and should not be where she is. One theologian likens this as a homeless person making his or her way into a dinner party with the president of the United States asking for a favor. And I kind of love that because now here we have a woman who's not supposed to be there who shoves her way into a dinner or a quiet moment with Jesus and asks for a favor. And what I notice next is very surprising because it's what Jesus says. Jesus kind of throws this, come at, this comeback at her, like, let the children eat first. And what this woman does is she holds her own and she just immediately has a remark back and says, even the dogs eat the crumbs. This woman goes toe to toe with Jesus. And in my mind, in my mind's eye, I have this vivid image of this woman. For some reason, I have this woman sitting underneath the table full of crumbs. You know that scene if you've ever eaten with a child. There are like crumbs everywhere. And I have this woman sitting in the middle of all the crumbs under the table. And I have dogs in my mind all under the table eating the crumbs. And I probably have this image because there's a young dog in my house for the very first time in my life. There's a puppy. A few weeks ago, this puppy arrived. And all of a sudden, I realized you have to, like, change your life for the dog. You have to, like, pay attention to it and feed it and pick up with it and play with it. But ultimately, I've learned all the dog really wants is my attention. All the dog wants is just five minutes of my attention and the dog will not let me go until I do it. And so, yes, I cannot help but think about this woman in the same position. This woman is under the table, holding on to Jesus's ankle, saying, I will not let go. Give me five minutes. Give me five seconds of your attention and that will be enough. Enough. So here we have a woman holding on as hardly, as tightly as she can to Jesus. I am not gonna let go. And immediately in your mind, another scripture, another story, another image should come. Do you know what I'm thinking of? It's an Old Testament story. I promise I won't throw fruit trees at you this time. Does anyone? think about an old testament story of someone holding on for a dear life. Exactly. Genesis 32. Let's read it. The same night he got up and he took his wives, his maids and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything that he had and Jacob was left alone. And the man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go for day is breaking. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob. But Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Now we have a man. Now we have a father. Now we have another person of faith who is in the wrong place across the stream trying to protect his family. And like this Phoenician woman, Justa, Jacob had a divine encounter. And David too, or Jacob too, held on as tightly as he could. And he said, I am not going to let go until I am heard, acknowledged, and redeemed. And that's the story of the people of the Old Testament. And that's the story of the New Testament. People constantly have an opportunity in front of them. And all they have to do is hold on on and wrestle with a faith until they receive the blessing and the faith that they came there for. So many times we have opportunities in front of us, we have these situations in front of us that need work, they need someone to wrestle with them. And all too often we say, you know what, that's somebody else's to do. It's so easy for us to look at situations and circumstances and say, you know what? That's what this person needs to do. And we begin to think about all of the work and all of the jobs and all the responsibilities that somebody else should do because they got problems they should work on. One of my children is studying the American Revolution. And I'm the parent that calls all that stuff out because I love it. I just love calling out all that stuff and seeing if they know it. And I have to learn it all over again with them. And because I love musicals and because I'm trying to help my children, I began to attach songs from Hamilton to songs of the American Revolution, or to word, this vocabulary words in the study guide. I would love to give you an example of that right now. Unfortunately, my children would be the ones who were melting under the table. But as I was relearning about the American Revolution, I read a wonderful story about a civilian who was on horseback And this civilian on horseback was riding around, and he saw a group of men working on this small defensive barrier. And he rode over, and he saw their leader in military uniform screaming and shouting out orders. And the man on horseback said, "Uh, sir, why aren't you helping these men? And the man said, I'm a corporal. And the man on horseback said, well, so sorry, excuse me. And he got off his horse and he said, I will go and help. And so when the job was done, this man went over to the leader and said, Corporal, next time you have a job to do and not enough men to do it, call your commander in chief and I will help you again. And George Washington got back on his horse and rode away. I think there's so many times when we're presented with a situation and we're the ones that should be doing the work, but sometimes we think we're too resourceful. We're too trained. We're true beyond that. We're too church to do that work. And sometimes we're the ones who need to be in the trenches over the stream or under the table. And we're the ones who are supposed to be holding on for dear life, wrestling with something and not letting anything or anyone shake our faith from us. So I wonder what would it be like if we were holding on to the divine, holding on to the leg of Jesus, holding on to God so much that we say, "Lord God, I'm going to hold on because you and you alone are the one to help me with this death. This grief is too much. Help me find healing." What would it look like if we said, Lord, dear Lord, I am going to hold on to you and find security in who you created me to be because I am out here hurting. I'm hurting by people's comments. I'm hurting by social media. I'm hurting by other people I love. And I'm going to hold on to you, Lord, until I find redemption What would it be like if we held on and said, Lord, I am exhausted from this past year and a half. And I'm going to hold on to you until I find rest and I find strength. Bless you. And what would it look like if we held on so tightly and said, Lord, I need you you know my darkest thoughts and my deepest problems and I'm going to sit with you and find freedom and understanding and forgiveness. When Justa and when Jacob, when they wrestled with something, they became stronger and they were able to serve in a new way. They got on their horse as new people and new leaders. And they were able to serve from a place of love and from a place of new identity in Christ. There's someone in our church. I'm not going to tell you his name. He'd get really mad at me. And you might figure out who he is, but there's a man in our church And he owned this amazing company, and he was very, very successful. And I've known him for about three, four years. And for me, I know him as someone that I can call on to help. He is very good at projects. And so there was a project set before me and I said, I know just the person to call. So I called him and he came over and I introduced him to the other group of people for the project. And as I'm introducing him, I'm giving all of the accolades, all the successes he's had in this company to show why he's the man for the job. And he pulled me aside a little later and said, Marion, don't you ever do that again. He said, I'm retired I left that. That doesn't matter. And he said, now my identity is different. He said, now I sit and I wait for God to put something in front of me to do it. Even if I don't think I can, I do it. And he said, now just call me volunteer. I think it's time for us to grab a hold, wrestle with whatever it needs to be fought with so that we can come out with a new identity. And we need to do that as a church. We need to do that as a church universal and we need to do that at the local level. We need to grab on and we need to talk about things and have the tenacity not to let it go and the courage to do it and the strength to come out as a new person and a new community of faith for our world. It might be that if we take the time to do this, we take on new roles and we take on new identities and new names. It could be that we go from not really knowing why we come to church to absolutely loving it. It could be we go from not remembering to never forgetting a service. And it could be that we go from every now and then to being incredibly committed to a small group or incredibly committed to a children's ministry It could be that we go from someone who's not quite sure if they're in the right place to the person who is now the leader, the committed one. It could be that we take on a new role as volunteer, as trustee, as Sunday school teacher, as missionary, or even as tutor. We really do have an amazing tutoring program. And there are certain volunteers in there that I'm thinking about right now. One was a program manager for a company. One was a nurse. One raised a family. And one refuses to tell me what he did. (laughs) And now they're giving their time. We have an incredible pet ministry And even the leader of the pet ministry is bringing these dogs so that the children can read to them. When the Syrophoenician woman wouldn't let go, a child's life was changed. I want to play a video for you with his mother's permission about how the life of a child can change when we serve in a different way.
1: Hello guys, my name is Aldo Mata, and I'm, and I'm in third grade, and I have four years being in my mentis. Kindergarten, and first grade, second grade, and third grade. And I'm here to talk about a little bit of my story since I've been in Mighty Mantis. I wanted to tell everybody and my teachers thank you for teaching me in Mighty Mantis. And my two teachers, Miss Susan, Miss Amy, and Miss Cindy, and her and her dog Benjamin. And that I remember all of the of her dog Benjamin. I remember giving him treats. I remember teaching how to stand up and how to sit down. And I remember teaching Miss Cindy words in Spanish. And I wanted to tell everybody thank you. I love everybody. And thank you to Mighty Mantis. And I wanted to tell to Miss Mitchell. Thank you for teaching me in her meeting, and I I and she and she I she comes to my house and play, and I play with her in the meeting, um with Word Wizard, we play a a game of sentences, and and she is like my like my second mom, because she protects me and I love her so much. And I wanted to tell Miss Emma thank you, and thank you for and for planning and me in the program, because if she wouldn't exist, the program wouldn't exist. And I wanted to tell Miss Cindy that I want on uh, that I want on Monday. I'm going to read this book with her, my bear will adventure. And thanks so much again. Bye-bye.
0: A child, a dog, and a woman of faith. Maybe we have a new image of Mark 7. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious and holy Lord, we come to you now, professing our faith in so many ways. We honor you with our lives, we honor you with our voices, we honor you with every part of our being, and so now we welcome you, and we ask that you take all that we have and transform us so we may be doers and changers, that we may offer a different kind of healing to your world and to your people. Lord, reach into the shadows of our hearts and help us be freed from anything that's keeping us from you. Reach into our lives and help us to find the person that needs us today. We seek in these moments so many ways that we can help. So with our seeking, we're asking you to find us a place so that we may be stronger and serve you better. In this silent moment, we too, Lord, give you all of our concerns. We name them in our hearts. and We ask you to pour your grace on their situations. And in this moment, we offer you any joys and any celebrations that we have. And we ask for thanksgiving for it. And Lord, may we always be sustained by nothing more than your spirit and your promises. And may that be enough for every moment in front of us. Amen.